Hey, Brett. I thought you were doing the hey. Well, I... You, <laughs> you know, pointed at me. Uh, yeah, I think you needed to begin it because okay. I have been Welcome with to Stalos. the Jesus Said yes. Love podcast. This is a space where Hello. we talk about what it means Hello. to awaken hope hey, and empower change. Ooh, Over a decade, Em and I have been fostering relationships with men and women. We've been impacted That's by a good song. And it's through those relationships that Jesus Said Love is born. We figured it was time to talk about what this ministry has taught us and is still teaching us along. Okay, I promise it's so be a I'm really excited about this conversation. We hope you learned something. We have a dear friend, fun fact, and you're gonna hear music expert. Brett and I are uh, musicians. On can't just talk, we're gonna be discussing today and play too. And here's the deal, guys. I know for I hope a lot of our listeners, um, maybe it's gonna be, be like, why are we talking about this? Why is this necessary? And so I'm gonna tell you why it's necessary. Um, we are joined today by Brittany Wardlaw. Hey. Hey. She is an attorney. Who, who I, yep, I need to stop you okay. and say, you just said she's an attorney. Yeah. And I feel as we need to refer to her as Dr. Brittany Wardlaw See. because she does have a Juris Doctorate. But hey. as we talked, she said she said <laughs> no. the PhD people would probably snicker at that. They don't and, like it. And then the MDs snicker at the PhDs. And I'm I like, know. all you Ds need to stop. We all busted our yes. yes, you did. You earned the I'm right. Like, come on. But I understand. They they put in a few more years. Counselor? Is that what you're referred to appropriately? Uh, you know, Esquire. that was I mean, that was one of the running jokes in law school. Like, when we'd be real stressed out about, mm-hmm. like, my grades, my grades. And they would say, you know, what do they call the person that graduates last in the class? Counselor. It's <laughs> like, so, oh, you're right. Well, we you're could right. just combine them all together, you know, like Reverend Bishop, Doctor, Pastor, yeah, just the clump it, in the pot. clump it all together <laughs> as an introduction. We well, made it. The, we made absolutely. it. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Brittany has, as a friend, she has a passion for Jesus, equity, and civil rights. Can I just say I'm Stop really me. glad that you call me your friend because <sighs> are you going to give the background on oh, how I accosted you and made you be my friend? We're gonna we're <laughs> gonna get to that background. Okay. Some right. of my favorite like recent memories yes. of every time I think about like, oh, how do you know Miss Wardlaw? I'm like, well, let me tell you. Yeah, she got no, me to a corner. No, no. Gosh, it was so refreshing on a very stiff stage. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. It was. Our souls connected. Yeah. Um, she became a fast friend. Okay, yes. So we'll just say it. A few months. Ago, a few months. Lord, no. A few years ago. Mm-hmm. Might be maybe four or five years ago. Oh um, man, it's been that long. Probably so. Three and a half. Okay, Dang. three and a half. Mm-hmm. You were like about to pop mm-hmm. with your second baby girl. Yes, ma'am. And I was on a panel, a women's event panel, and you had just moved from Virginia to Waco to come on staff mm-hmm. at Baylor. Probably the week before. With Title Nine. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it was crazy times. And so I'm on this panel and we get through the the thing and you know, Brittany, if you could, well, you'll see her if you're on this podcast, but she's a gorgeous, attractive oh woman. Goodness. And that did not <laughs> cease <laughs> when, when you're pregnant. I mean, you're so pregnant. I'm like, a pregnant woman has never looked so beautiful. Like, wow, this woman is stunning. And oh then you came up to me right afterwards and um, who, 
did one of your bosses maybe introduce us and say, I, mm. I don't I don't remember. So I remember. Let me tell it. So we I went to this this panel because I had previously I wasn't used to being somewhere where education was such a, you know, important aspect of your employment. Mm. Like you're encouraged to learn, you're encouraged to grow, you're encouraged to, you know, connect. So I was getting all these emails for events mm. and you know, things to go and listen. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is great. Yes, I want to come. I want to go. I want to go. So I go to this panel and I'm sitting there listening. And the ironic thing was there was also an attorney on the panel. That's right. And I think people would assume like, okay, that's the person I want to go talk to. But yeah. after listening to you, I was like, I need to be her friend. <laughs> and it's going to happen today. So I stood in line and I waited. Aww. And when you you were talking to okay. somebody that was a Okay. A boss of mine in that in that area at the time. So when I got ready to talk to you, yes. she was like wrapping up, and then she kind of did like a okay, oh, like a, hey, yeah, hey, hey, oh, this Brittany, she's yeah. not here. But it didn't matter if she was standing there or not. It I was gonna t- do it myself. Yeah, I was like, I don't need nobody. I'm just gonna talk to her. Well, I think because what we connected on, um, first of all, now we know we're both Enneagram ones, mm-hmm. so that's just immediate connection because oh, yeah. we got to stick together, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and then I think what I talked about where it was like self care and rhythms of rest, mm-hmm. and I think I mentioned something about cont- contemplative prayer or spirituality, connection with God and faith, and you were like. I just need to know you. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you. And so we schedule a dinner with our husbands because your husband has also been on the podcast. Um, Gary Wardlaw, who's an LPC. Mm-hmm. And, and LMFT. And LMFT. That's yes, right. And you need to go listen to that episode, by yes, the way. It's wonderful. You should um, probably listen to that one and then this one sure. back to back so that you know. The team. The team. Yeah. The Wardlaws. And so we yes. go to dinner at BJ's mm-hmm. and we just are there for at least two hours probably. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. next day you go into labor. It was it was all a blur, but I know it was definitely that week. I think we thought it was happening at dinner. I think because I had so. a moment that I was like, I've uh, gotta go. Guys, I'll be right back. Yeah. And then I think we got a text at like midnight that yeah. it was like, I might be going into labor tonight after that yeah. riveting conversation. <laughs> yes. Well it was because the child that was inside of me. I know. She was ready she to was jump like, into my oh, arms. Yeah, that justice. <laughs> she was. She, she knew. She did. She oh, knew. my gosh. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that was our connection and how we met. And then we even talk about on the podcast with Gary that once you guys moved into Waco, um, we ended up having y'all over for dinner once things kind of settled down and y'all were looking for a home and we were like so weird we were just about to put our house on the market Mm -hmm. and that became a whole thing and a whole story Mm -hmm. so you guys actually live in the space that we poured our hearts and souls and ministry into Mm -hmm. um and when we drive by now and see those little bikes on the front porch Mm -hmm. of those girls i'm like tears oh that just happened the other day and i was like I mean, y'all got the chalk on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. You've got the little flowers planted. I'm like, I'm just going back. I'm just, I'm going back to the golden years of those little girls. It's amazing. And I love our little home. I love you. I love it. It's just, I thank the Lord every day. Like it is so warm. Mm. Y'all left a legacy in that house. That house, I tell you, it it has the peace of Christ. It does. I really believe, you know, I know they say home is where the heart is or you're the home, not yeah. 
not a space, mm-hmm. but there's something special about the wood and shingles and sheetrock yeah. and that ground, that mm-hmm. tree, that mother oak. Oh my gosh! That shields the tree. Uh, you know. You know what I did I yesterday? What, did you trim it? I climbed that bad boy. No, you, you did. I did. You could probably see downtown from up there. I climbed <gasps> it, y'all. And my husband was just standing there, like, I'm falling in love with you all. Because <laughs> oh. you know he country so, He's so country And I'm not So when he just looked up and saw me in that tree He was like wow, wow. <laughs> Yes wow. One of, one of our favorite memories of that tree Is one night we heard this owl mm. hooting oh. And I was like we gotta find this thing So I walked out and had my flashlight And stood on the deck and just was shining it around And shine, it, up midway into the tree was this massive I white, mean like two and a half white, feet tall, white, beautiful, owl. gorgeous? And she was what? just, she was just looking at me, wise old owl, just looking at me. And then she hooted, and about the ne- hair on my neck stood up because it was so, <laughs> so loud. loud. And well, it woke us up in the middle of the night because we thought it was Gus. Screaming. Yeah, we thought Gus was crying. What? We thought it was a kid crying. What? It sounded so crazy. And I think, is it a screech owl no, or a barn a great, owl? Great horn, a great horn, great owl. horn now. Oh Whatever gosh. the really big one is, it's the great horn, I think. But it was beautifully white. Anyway, oh, it was crazy. That tree, I even, yeah, man. I, I did think about you though, Brett, when uh-huh. I was climbing that tree because I was like, if I fall, if this wood doesn't hold me, <laughs> oh, on those steps, yes. yeah. Oh, Remember those the steps, steps are still there. Yeah. Yeah. Did y'all and paint sturdy. over them? Mm. No, they're sturdy. Okay, they're no, sturdy. I, there's about four inch screws in those bad boys. They are sturdy. No, yeah, that's so. legit. Uh, you Props. are brave. I never climbed that <laughs> mother oak. I never climbed her. Um, and so, well, I wanted to bring Brittany on, not just because obviously we have all this wonderful history together, but um, Brittany is an expert in really equity and cultural competency and civil rights. And so I just wanted to bring her on for her professional and personal experience, knowledge concerning all of these issues in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst Mm. of COVID, because Mm. research is showing and the data is being reported that there's high mortality rates among black Americans. And it opens up this large um, historical issue in our country Mm. of systemic injustice and oppression. And so what I want to say to this, to our listeners, is that if you're white and if you're in the South, uh, I'm, I'm just going to talk to you as a sister because I'm your friend and I'm among you and I, I come from you. Um, I am you. And I want you to keep listening and I need you to keep listening because I, I was not raised with a lens of understanding cultural competency or understand, understanding systemic injustice at all. But I was raised to be kind. Mm. But then what that also meant for me as a white woman was acting either as a benevolent hero, mm. as tolerating racist remarks, because I didn't want to disrupt any, quote, peace, mm. Mm. Um, and pitying, really looking at, at black people as something to be pitied. Mm-hmm. And, um, and less fortunate, like knowing this group of people are less fortunate, but mm. really taking on pity mm. instead of learning how to empower. Mm. Mm. Um, and I've had to unlearn and then I've had to relearn and I'm still, I'm still learning. And perhaps like you, if you're listening to this and you care about justice, you know, maybe you're, you're now willing to look at the mess that we're in 
and you're ready to take some responsible action toward goodness Mm. for our world, for our country, on how we move forward together. So, um, so Brittany, that's Mm. quite the introduction, but let's just start with how you and your family are doing in the midst Mm. of all this. Like, how are y'all faring? Yeah. Can I just say that even that introduction, listening to you is very powerful and encouraging. Mm. Um, I know it's not an easy journey in, um, becoming more culturally competent. And I know we'll unpack what that means, but even being in a space to give an introduction like that and even know what questions to ask, Mm. because a lot of people don't even know where to start. And unless you've done some work in this area, you wouldn't know how to even have the conversation. Mm. So, I mean, I think it speaks volumes Mm. about where you all are Mm. in your journey. Mm. So thank you. Um, so how are we, how are we doing? <laughs> we are <laughs> doing really well. Good. Um, we are. Um, this pandemic for us was definitely a purge. It was an opportunity to identify mm. what needed to get, what, what things we needed to get rid of in our lives because we were so inundated and suffocating with all of the yeses and all, all of the commitments and all of the responsibilities and all of the, you know, good things we were doing. So, you know, I'm a one, my husband's a two, and I've been reading up on what ones and twos do as a couple. Mm-hmm. They do everything. Mm-hmm. We sign they up for everything. All. We're on every committee. We're on every board. And it's we the volunteer truth. at everything because it's the right thing to do. You and we care, care about for people. people. You know, and so just boundaries are hard. So hard, so hard. And then the guilt of having a boundary, you know. And so for us, even if we want like really like we really want to do these things, we couldn't. Mm -mm. We literally can't. And I found for myself personally, I have struggled with gosh, I wish I could be more patient with my kids. I wish I could make space to do stuff like this with them. I wish I could take time to, you know, take it for a walk. I don't have time, you know, and it's, I've always, I've had them on this rush schedule Mm -hmm. all of their little lives. Mm -hmm. Hurry up and get dressed. Hurry up and eat your Mm -hmm. breakfast. Hurry up and get out the door. Hurry Mm -hmm. up and get on your uniform, you know, Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And my patience was so short. And I, in this time, I have enjoyed them so much. Mm -hmm. I have not been short and snippy and mm. irritated and all of these things that were a norm for me. Yeah. Um, because I just had space to be with them. Yeah. Which is interesting Gosh. because if you go back and listen to the episode with Gary, you'll know that Gary is a stay at home dad mm-hmm. and works out of the home. Mm-hmm. He counsels and sees clients there while you go to Outside work. Mm-hmm. And so that's been an interest. It's been fun for me to watch. Yeah. It's just an interest. Like <laughs> your husband can do their hair like nobody's business. Nobody's bit. Look, yeah, I'll keep it basic. My hair. I'll keep it basic. So they, they look like they have parents, but he slays. He does. This man is a YouTube sensation when yes. it comes to doing their hair. So yes. I think that would be interesting that, you know, you're used to being out, you mm-hmm. know, from, I guess, nine to five, we'll say. Mm-hmm. And now you're, you're home mm-hmm. all the time. All the time. All the time. What yeah. has what is that connect? I mean, have you noticed a different connection with your kids in relation to their connection with Gary? And 
So it's it's been interesting because I know that I know that I'm where I'm supposed to be at the time I'm supposed to be there in the sense of I'm now the parent that's taking most of the responsibilities of caring for the day to day with them, but it's happening so naturally. I know ex- mm-hmm. I when before it felt very like just chaotic. It felt like I was just surviving. Mm-hmm. It felt like I was just throwing stuff together to make it work. Mm-hmm. But now, look, I'm, I'm slaying in the kitchen. <laughs> you know, my baby's on. They are, they're on a schedule. They're getting their work done. Mm-hmm. I'm coming up with activities, entertainment mm-hmm. on the fly. You know, I made an obstacle course outside that we ran yeah, the other girl. day. Oh my you know, gosh. Like, and it just feels very natural. It's, it's just fun. Like, yeah. You're having fun. I, I am. It's joy. I am. Yeah. And I am. And I feel like I have the space to do it. And Gary's kind of like, you know, you know, I was better at this first. <laughs> I'm like, chill, chill, dog. Oh You're my good. god, You're good. Man. And yeah. so, is it? You know, none of us know kind of what we can predict moving mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. So, is it just we have to stay present, really, mm-hmm. yeah. and just take the whole one day at a time? Because mm-hmm. you know, you almost don't want to lose like the goodness that you've cultivated right now. It could, right. it could feel really scary to lose that in some ways, uh, that connection. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's, it's so foundational for how you'll move forward from mm-hmm. here on out. It's like a reorienting, like mm-hmm. you, you found your true North now. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And so anything built after this is going to be a lot more mm-hmm. easy to define those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that. I'm yeah. so proud of you guys. Thank I you. love that. Yes, God is good. It's been <sighs> it's been a good time period for us. We've definitely had our challenges. Oh yeah, you know. But overall, it's definitely been a a necessary space. And with the food thing, um, I don't know if <laughs> yes. you were going to go there. But I was well, y'all decided during the, the pandemic to become vegetarians. Yeah, we did. And and I know <laughs> I want to know who came listen, up with that crazy. I okay, know listen. you like barbecue. I have uh, made you. Mm-hmm. Briskets oh, and no. hand delivered them, and we Made that is love. a point of love. That love. is a point of love. And so, Made are you love. taking that away from my from my gifts? So here's the thing: <laughs> we we will make we will make space for your gifts. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> You're all inclusive, huh? Here's the thing: we, yes, very inclusive over here. Um, my kids have always been real funny with me. Mm-hmm. It's always been a make you eat the meat on your plate. Okay, that's yeah. one. Gary's been pretty funny with me for a long time, too. He has been. And I've always stiff-armed him. Like, chill uh-huh. out, eat your food. Yeah. You're like, we're not... Because he's always been like, man, I want to go vegan, vegetarian. And But he knows I'm not, I'm yeah. not doing that. <laughs> like, we're, this is not a conversation. Right. Okay? We're yeah. not We're not having this conversation. So when the pandemic hit, mm. I did have a a real sense from the Lord that there needed to be a shift in us with our relationship with food. Yeah. Um, for Gary and I both, it is definitely a place of comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, it's triggered in different ways, but it's always like a go-to, you know, this is a happy, safe space for us. Like, we don't we don't drink. Mm-hmm. So we've always joked that like, you know, uh, yeah. some people at the end of the day have a glass of wine. Right. Well, we're going to have a cookie and some yes. ice cream. Like, yes. that's going to be like our... <laughs> yes. <sighs> okay, uh-huh. can breathe, you know? Um, and so when the pandemic hit, I, I really had a sense that, okay, I think we're going to just do just a, a purge so that we can hear from the Lord. Let's do, let's do a Daniel fast, mm. you know, let's kind of do that for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And so that was my idea. But when we shifted to it, I also had a sense of, 
I think this is about to be our new normal. Mm. Like that shift for me was what was necessary to shift the family. Cause I was really the only, the one that holding was it. like holding it. So but. it's interesting now, and this isn't really a part of our podcast, but you know, there are, it's interesting now that your kind of spirit was led in that way because mm-hmm. now they're, you know, could be meat shortages. That's what my dad texted yeah. me yesterday. And it really is interesting when you start looking environmentally at the results of the major obsession and consumption of meat in our country and what it's doing environmentally, mm. because so much CO2 is um, going like to raise a cow, the emissions of CO2 from that animal is like 400 times the amount of CO2 going up into our atmosphere. And because we are the cattle breeders of the world, our emissions and environmental, you know, levels. Anyway, it's, I watched a whole documentary about it. I thought it was really fascinating of why going plant-based or really just eating like our grandparents did. Mm -hmm. I mean, my, I remember my great grandmother, like having bacon once a week. Mm. I mean, she made that on the weekends and Mm -hmm. would cook a Sunday roast. Mm -hmm. And that was it. Mm -hmm. And then it was like oatmeal and maybe some grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup. And yeah, it feels normal. Yeah, I know. I know it sounds crazy because we've had a few friends along the way that have made a transition like that. And my my reaction was always like, ooh, oh, good for you. (laughs) So cute. Okay, so it kind of leads me in, and this may impact um, some of what we talk about when we talk about food and health, because one of the disparities Mm -hmm. among the black population is a health disparity. So you've got higher cardiovascular disease, uh, higher rates of obesity, Mm -hmm. cholesterol. Um, And so there are real disparities among black communities, which Mm -hmm. is putting them more at risk for COVID. Yes. So I, can you unpack for us before we get even into cultural competency, but let's just start there with like, what are these disparities and why do they exist? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oof. Loaded question. I know. So we we may break this part in two, two times. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we might have to. Um, so with disparities, and I want to give this disclaimer, a, a lot of what I share, I might hear some information or get a statistic, you might share something with me, and I believe I can speak into a space of helping explain why it's there. Um, and, you know, some may say, well, there's some statistics about this and this and that, you know, and that's fine, but I just feel like based on the work that I've done, the experiences that I've had, um, even even the informational research that I've read, here's what I understand to be happening. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the statistics of Brittany or information of Brittany. So mm-hmm. um, with the different disparities that we're talking about, if we're talking um, health um, across systems, so mm-hmm. we'll talk about systems. So there's different systems. We've got the health system, got education, criminal justice, mm-hmm. banking and lending, um, prison one. Yes. Yeah. Incarceration. Yeah. The, the criminal justice system. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. There's another one. Transportation. Um, housing. Mm, yeah. So if you look at the data or statistics in all of these systems, blacks are always at the bottom mm-hmm. in every system, mm-hmm. literally always at the bottom. Um, and so when we're talking about health, 
again, blacks statistically are at the bottom mm-hmm. of when we're talking about the health system. Um, and when you mentioned the different health disparities that that blacks have as opposed to, you know, everyone else, I have a lot of different opinions about why that is. Um, for years, I would hear, you know, people didn't want to talk about slavery. It was mm-hmm. so long ago. It's it's mm-hmm. gone. It's, but the reality is there's so many issues yeah. that stem from 400 years of slavery mm-hmm. that just continue to compound. Mm-hmm. Um, health, for a lot of different reasons, is one of those. So thinking about what slaves were given to eat and right. what they were kind of given to... Um, make the most of, um, have become staples Uh in our diets or menu or what we know to eat. Um, Because they were cheap mm -hmm. and could be uh, divided out and and multiplied on a low, low budget. Right. Meager. Right. You know, offerings. Right. Right. (laughs) You're just literally trying to sustain. Yeah. Yeah. Survive. This is not nutrition. Right. You just need something in your body to be able to live. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the example that always comes to mind is the pig. Mm -hmm. You know, the slaves were given pretty much what was left over of the pig Mm -hmm. of what the masters didn't eat. Mm -hmm. So that left things like. The intestines, mm-hmm. you know, there, you know, people know that chitlins mm-hmm. is a part, a part of, um, yeah, the regular menu or, yeah. or diet of African-American culture, uh-huh. um, pig feet. Yeah. Um, you know, even, even the relationship with pork right. is mm. just, oh yeah, yeah, this is what we eat. This is what we love. And we figured out how to make it and good. You taste tried good. To, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Talk Ma- about yeah, essentially make lemonade. Yeah, right. lemons, and so that has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. And even with being at the bottom when it comes to economics, like you said, you are making the most of what you got. And mm-hmm. so Gary and I have had conversations about you know different members of our family and what they're feeding their kids, and we're just like, ah, why are you giving them? You know, mm-hmm. and the reality is, it's like this is cheap, mm-hmm. and it can go further. Totally. So I, I don't have time to look at the nutritional facts and the nutritional background of, mm-hmm. you know, whether my child is getting... No, I got to put something in their stomach, right? you know, and if it's cheap, then that's what I'm going to do. And naturally, that's going to affect your health if yeah. you're not... Um, if you don't have the nutrients you need, yeah. your, your body is not going to be able to respond yeah. any differently. So that's one. And then access to, um, to health issues before they become bigger issues. So we talk about, and that even touches on another, mm. another piece of this reservation or resistance to health, the healthcare system. Totally. So there's also joke, you know, we talk a lot about like our uncles and our dads and our grandfathers who I don't go to the doctor. I'm not right. going to the doctor. I don't right. want to have anything to do with the doctor. And there's a, there's a distrust there mm-hmm. for physicians mm-hmm. because it's, you know, for the most part, most physicians are, are white. Yeah. Or <laughs> not black. Usually. Yeah. 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 And so it's one, you've got a cultural mistrust that's mm-hmm. happening. And then two, there's also been things that have happened in history that have given blacks a reason not to trust mm-hmm. healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. And it, again, is impacted generationally. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something that we knew with, uh, I don't want to miss misquote it, but I want to say 
there was the syphilis test mm-hmm. with the Tuskegee Institute mm-hmm. where there were a number of um, African-American males mm-hmm. that had syphilis. Mm-hmm. And even though there was medication for it, they were not giving it to them mm, yeah. because they wanted to test and see how it played out. And so now that people are very aware mm. of these tests, you know, different instances like those, why would we trust healthcare professionals right. that are supposed to be there to help us, but in this project experiment, mm-hmm. watch people die so that mm-hmm. they could have medical information mm-hmm. like, like animals, you know? Right. Um, so you've got that piece. And so with the access piece, if people do not have the economic sustainability to be able to see a specialist for mm-hmm. something that might be a problem, or if they go to a physician, they tell them they can't go to work or they have to miss work. Mm-hmm. People are not in positions to be able to do that. Right. So, Hey, this pain is manageable. Or, you know, my um, lethargy, I'm just going to push through it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I just, you know, I just have sugar. I'll be okay. I just, mm-hmm. and so it's, there's, the attention is not given to these minor things that mm-hmm. grow into yes. bigger, major issues. Yeah. So I know I said a, a lot, but that's just touching on the health disparity. Yeah, disparity. the health disparity, which mm-hmm. is really such a huge focus of what's happening right now with with COVID. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I wanted to point out that, um, you know, you mentioned, I know a lot of people don't, you know, like to, one of the arguments, you know, particularly among white people is that, but that wasn't my, you know, I didn't, I wasn't a slave master, you know, Mm -hmm. why are we still talking about this? And that was hundreds of years ago. And And even from a uh, trauma informed lens, Mm -hmm of when we look at someone who has encountered violence and trauma against their body, mm-hmm. what that does, literally, if you study epigenetics and the DNA, it changes the structure of the DNA. Mm. And it is passed down. It's why when you look at the Rwandan genocide mm. and you look at babies who were in utero, who mm. never saw any trauma, they never saw it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were born after it, mm-hmm. or even the next generation. But it is so wound. It, it, it literally is passed down mm-hmm. generation after generation, which is interesting because Scripture talks about to the third and fourth generation. Mm. And that's what scientists now can quantify mm. as that it's to, to the third and fourth generation that that trauma and violence can be traced. Right. So here wow. we are. Wow. Here we are. Mm-hmm. And there are still literal effects on mm-hmm. the brain and on the body of our African-American brothers and sisters who have literal consequences of our oppression mm-hmm. been handed down to them. And so um, it's it's real realities. And, and that doesn't even touch on the fact of how we have continued to oppress. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that... Right. That's the whole other thing. It's that's like a whole nother thing. I mean, we, yeah. yeah. And that's, and what's interesting about that is, you know, there are statements made, well, that was so long ago. Okay, well, let's, let's sit and think about for a second how long ago that was. Yeah, exactly. It's a little over 100 years, if that. Um, and there's literally still people that my parent, their parents mm-hmm. were enslaved. 
or they were born, like alive now. So that's, you know, we're talking a century Mm -hmm. or so ago that slavery was happening happening for Mm -hmm. four centuries. Mm -hmm. So I I heard someone say one time, you know, how long does it take Mm -hmm. to get over... um, a traumatic event mm-hmm. or a traumatic breakup or a relationship, mm-hmm. you know, and they said twice as long as you were in it. Mm-hmm. And so if we, if we took that really, really simple principle and yeah. said, you know, if this happened, this happened a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. but it was happening for 400 years. Mm-hmm. How, how long is reasonable right. to say we should get over this, you know, right. we should get past it. Um, and but, that's not even mentioning segregation or redlining or, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that's the Black thing. Codes. Yeah. 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 There was just so much that continued to be broken mm-hmm. as a result of those 400 years that until we say, okay, yes, we want to acknowledge that this was a major problem and let's acknowledge how this major problem continues to affect and, um, yeah, continues to affect Uh, generation Mm -hmm. after generation. Mm. So some of the reports that we're seeing, I think we've already mentioned some, but that um, the CDC said of confirmed cases, at least 34% at first, uh, this was in early April, were among black people. Mm -hmm. And then in April, uh, April 20th of 2020, race and ethnicity was missing are unspecified for 65% of CDC reported cases, which makes it impossible for us Mm. to really even analyze Mm. how this is affecting certain ethnicities Mm. because it was missing. That's interesting. Well, that's a problem. Yeah. So when, when we hear things like that and what we know is that there are, uh, that mortality rates are up and, and even among, this is a separate issue, but even among, um, moms, Mm-hmm. I mean, the mortality rate among African-American women mm-hmm. um, is high, higher. Uh, like, what does it mean for us to be culturally competent when we're taking in this information? And, and, and what do you want from our culture, from our communities, from our Congress, from our... I mean, what do we need to think about in terms of cultural competency um, as we make a plan for moving forward. Yeah. So first of all, maybe what does it mean to be culturally competent? Oh yeah. Right. Probably go back to that first. Um, so cultural competency has a lot to do with, I guess I see it as an intersection. Um, understanding, um, the, your personal cultural, um, characteristics, if you will, components, and then someone else has unique cultural components. And then when those things intersect, what what happens here? Mm -hmm. What happens at that intersection? What are the dynamics that play out when those different cultural um, experiences, different cultural components meet? Um, Because one recognizing I have, you know, this is unique to my culture. These mm-hmm. are things that are unique to my culture. And they have things, other people have things that are unique to theirs. Mm. But if I don't un- have any understanding of anyone else's culture, when our cultures intersect, it 
can go very poorly, (laughs) very quickly, very quickly, especially if we do not have any perspective on any other Mm -hmm. angle of this intersection. Mm -hmm. So if all you have seen is your one lens from this side of this equation, you have no understanding of what's happening on all the other sides Mm -hmm. of this intersection. Right. Um, And so when we're talking about cultural competency, one, there has to be some Mm self-awareness. You know, I've, you know, I've got my, we've got our own things Mm -hmm. happening here in our culture. Um, And also self-management of how am I responding when my things interact with other people's things, Mm -hmm. like those dynamics, Mm -hmm. how am I responding, you know, and, and how we get to that space is one, educating yourself doing some reading, doing some watching and listening, Mm. um, being teachable, Mm. saying, I do not have this figured out. Mm. I do not have all of the answers because I have only my perspective. Mm. And until I can get an understanding of someone else's perspective, I probably should not speak about how (laughs) other people should be reacting or Mm. should feeling, should be feeling. That's so good. I mean, Teachable. If you could just be teachable, mm-hmm. like just be curious. Mm-hmm. That, that, that I was going to say, as Brittany's sharing, I mean, we talk a lot about how love, a component of love is curiosity. Mm-hmm. None of us go into a relationship and go, oh, I know everything I need to know about you. Fine. <laughs> no. If I, we you would do, not that relationship is done. not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, love is curious. Mm-hmm. I want to know. I want to know about myself. Mm-hmm. I want to know about God. I want to mm-hmm. know about others. If mm-hmm. I love my family, I'm like, why is she doing that? Mm-hmm. What's making her respond that way? Mm-hmm. Why, why did she get mad at me when I said this? Could I press in there? And mm-hmm. I think from, from my cultural lens growing up as a white woman, it was questions are bad. Mm-hmm. Questions are just, you, you, when you ask them, you might get popped in the lip, you know, for, mm-hmm. for asking the wrong time. Children are to be seen, not heard. Mm-hmm. And, um, and questions may ruffle some feathers mm-hmm. and it could mean you're a heretic and you mm-hmm. believe the wrong thing. I mean, just simply asking a question meant to many you're bucking the system. No, you're not. Well, and you're even, just asking a question. Even if you did ask the question, it may have been responded through that person's lens. So for instance, yes, that's true. So, so that's if, true. That, I think that's why it's easy for a white guy to say, well, why are they still hitting the slave beat because that was 400 years ago and they weren't a slave? They're looking at that through their own lens mm-hmm. and trying to process versus let's sit down and have a conversation mm-hmm. about why you feel that way. Mm-hmm. I need to hear from you because that never impacted me. Right. And right. so then, or, you know, early on, I'm taught about race from white parents <laughs> right. who lived in the 60s, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. they were raised by white parents in the South. With family in mm-hmm. Alabama. Um, I mean, right? You, you know, the, 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 I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was raised hearing the N-word as right. it was just, that's just how you talked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I vividly remember my grandmother saying it. Yeah. Yeah. And she genuinely felt like she wasn't racist. Mm-hmm. So even if we do get information, we're getting it from our same cultural context. Yes. And that's what I was going to say. Okay. Because even generationally, you know, even for, you know, from a, a black woman perspective in my family, you know, 
my parents, you know, there was still the same, like, you don't ask questions, you know, you could get it, you could get yeah. back to. Yeah. But when you were talking, it made me think, I think with that generation, that was a big part of the siloed mm-hmm. um, challenge. Like, if there's there's not going to be a cultural competence intersection if we're continuing to silo yes silo our information and silo our responses and silo our cultures yes and our segregations uh huh yeah yeah so we never they, they didn't I hate speaking for them but from my perspective there wasn't there wasn't opportunity or space made right. from their generation to do that. Yeah. Generally speaking. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so then everybody's operating out of assumptions. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and yeah. for them, that meant survival. Mm-hmm. Because when we think about the civil rights movement and just the death toll, yeah, the sheer death toll on, among blacks and among whites who stood with them, mm-hmm. um, you, you kind of learn. You better quit asking some questions. Right. Right. If we make space for this, it's going to go bad and somebody's going to get a bullet through their window. Yeah. And, you know, the way that we learn and perceive the civil rights movement, I think I always had Mm. an assumption that, you know, blacks were over here fighting and the whites were over here fighting against, you know, like, and that's what everybody was doing. But when I've had these conversations Mm -hmm. with my parents, my mother grew up in Washington, D.C. My father grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. And I just assumed, like, wow, you know, what happened when you guys marched? You know, uh-huh. and they're looking at me like, what do you mean, you guys? You know, the reality mm-hmm. was they were in their black community, and it was very much a, oh, we just stayed over here in our space. Like, yeah. we just, we kept our head down in our space. We interacted with our people, and we didn't go on that side of town. Mm-hmm. They didn't come to our side of town, and that's just the way things function. So the what we see mm-hmm. were the outliers who yeah. said, no, we're going to speak out. We're going to yeah. go to this intersection. Ugh, yes. you know, We're going to go to these front lines. But that wasn't the majority. No. You know, mm. on either side. Right. Um, so that was kind of a, re- a reality yeah. for me. And here you are. Yeah. Somehow. I know. <laughs> front lines. So My front parents lines. are like, don't do it. I know I'm back. <laughs> I know I have to. Um, yeah, that's so that's, that, that's been um, an interesting, yeah, an interesting dynamic. Is. Okay, Em, we're going to cut it right here because this conversation went so long, and but it is so juicy yep. and lovely and beautiful and everyone needs to listen to every single minute of it. So let's wrap it here. We'll come back next week and finish up. Stay tuned. Hey, thanks for joining the Jesus Said Love podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to awaken hope and empower change with us. We want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. Yes. Because your voice matters. It's how we get this message into the world. And lastly, be sure to follow Jesus Said Love on Instagram and Facebook for up-to-date info. And visit the website at JesusSaidLove.com for how you can join the JSL fam. Until next time. Share the love.